We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Faye. With me as always, Jack Manuel. Jack, how are we doing? We're talking basketball. We are back. You know, preseason, but still we're hitting you with a recap. The Nets fall to the Sixers 127-108, but we got plenty to talk about. Quick reminder, follow the buzz on all streaming platforms. But Jack, where do we start? Nick, I think we start with Ben 10. You know, yep. he gets his former team at home. Seemed to be a lot of love for him, which was great to see. Talk me through Ben Simmons, 19 minutes, three of six from the field, five assists, four boards, had a steal, was minus 10 on the night as he played a little bit with the uh, the second unit and such, but we can talk about that a little bit. But talking about Ben Simmons, you know, he, he had a dunk to open his, uh, open his scoring off a uh, Kyrie Irving dime. You know, how was Ben tonight? Yeah, Ben looked healthy. I thought that was the most important thing. He didn't look like he was reluctant to do anything. You know, there was a couple hustle plays in there, like chasing guys from behind, poking the ball out and forcing a steal. Those are just plays that we haven't really seen from Nets players and guys that are athletically capable. And Ben is one of those guys. I think, you know, you're going to only see him get more confident in his body Um, in terms of his actual game offensively. You know, the passing really popped. You know, there was a dime from the post to Royce O'Neal, a couple other nice passes in there. Early on, it looked like he was trying to force passes a little bit to Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, just trying to get on the same page with those guys. And also, it was a little bit, uh, you know, clustered in the paint, so harder for him to attack. I think finding avenues to get him to the rim will benefit this team. And you saw more of that when they did go small and played Ben at the five. You know, he had an easy bucket from KD, an easy pass from KD for a dunk. So, you know, getting Ben space to operate is going to be important. Even in the second quarter, though, when he played with Claxton, you know, there was more moments of spacing. You know, those guys understanding where they need to go to, you know, have an impact. And I think defensively, you can just see his activity. And the Nets desperately need somebody like that. So overall, really positive for Ben. Obviously, you would have loved to see him knock down a free throw 0-2 from there. But overall, you know, left me happy with his performance and the potential that you could see from him when he's put in the right lineups. Yeah, obviously, it's not like we saw anything new from what we already knew about Ben Simmons, Yep, which is... You know, maybe some people are like, oh, well, he's not hitting free throws. Oh, he, he doesn't look great in the half court. But even Ben Simmons in the previous iteration of what he was, as we've alluded to in our previews, still f- top 15 to 25 player in the NBA. And the Nets don't need him to be 
you know, a top 10 Giannis level player when you've got Kevin Rain and Kyrie Irving and he's a complimentary style third fit, third best player, third more you can make argument for second with Kyrie Irving or whatever. I'd say Kyrie is, is the two guy and, and Ben and Simmons is number three, but he sort of just fits in pretty seamlessly with that. So good to hear about Ben Simmons, Nick. I guess the other two superstars. We'll go I got through another the starting. On Ben too, Jack. Sorry to cut yeah, you off. Uh, when he plays with the second unit, obviously Daron Sharp was not a good fit. He didn't have really a good game at all. We'll talk about him later. Then also playing with Patty didn't really make sense either because you know there's no other ball handler really on the floor, and that forced Patty to dribble a little too much. We know that's not where he's successful. Obviously, Seth Curry's not available, but seeing that lineup and envisioning Seth in there and Markeith Morris in place of Sharp. You could see how that lineup could be really successful if you surround him with shooters, be it Seth Curry, Joe Harris, Royce O'Neal, Ben Simmons, and Markeith Morris. That's a good lineup that can run and probably has just enough creation against second units to be successful. Do you think that in, I guess, speaking a bit about Ben and his combination with, you know, not the non-starting five, with the starting five, the Ben and Clacks fit, Nick, is it, is it workable? Yeah, I think it's workable during the regular season. I think during the postseason, you'd see the real struggles of that. But it's also going to put a lot of pressure on Ben and Clax to stay very active and make sure they're setting a lot of off-ball screens and creating at least some level of stress for the defense. And I think you saw Clax, you know, have some timely cuts today, you know, roll off some off-ball screens, slip to the rim a little bit, do his normal stuff. So I think there's a level of confidence they could probably get there, especially when the guys are hitting offensively in terms of Kyrie, Katie, and Joe. But, you know, there's always going to be a question mark there. You know, part of me wishes, you know, they just pull the trigger on a stretch five. You have Clax come off the bench and Clax could really give you that energy burst because you saw just some really active and highlight plays from Claxton. And that kind of just gets the team morale up, gets the fans going and, I feel like that'd be the best world for both guys. As of right now, that doesn't seem like it's going to change very soon. But in the future, I think that's something Sean Marks looks to do, as we've discussed the last couple of months. Would you also possibly stagger Kyrie or KD in terms of because both of them can handle the ball a little bit? Both you know, KD had some nice times today, yeah. as did Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving looked pretty nice there. Both of them had you know, four assists, eight assists between them. 13, but if you add in Ben Simmons, so that's a, a lot of dimes happening there. I think you said in the second quarter, especially, there was a lot of great ball movement. Is there an argument for that, or do you think it just needs to be better spacing and you know a Markeep instead of like a Dayron Sharp in certain lineups and Seth instead of a Patty? Yeah, I think you know you want to see everything. You know, I think you want to see all these combinations and how they succeed. You know, I think. Getting Kyrie and Ben on the floor together in situations, you could see them kind of elevate both players where Katie obviously can just carry the offensive load for a literal game by himself. You know, you don't want to make him do that, but Kyrie and Ben aren't necessarily that tier of player. So having them on the floor together kind of makes sense. And then you could even give, you know, KD some supercharged lineups or whatever it is. I think you just mess with the combinations and see how that kind of flows. But if they're locked in on playing you know, a non-shooting center all year, it makes sense to stagger because you need that offensive overload in terms of an elite talent. But the way Sharp played tonight, I wouldn't be surprised if we see that second unit run with Markeith Morris in the next game to at least get a sample size. We'll get to, I guess, Sharp, Morris, and some of the role players, Nick, but I wanted to ask about the general style of offense and the general play of this team on both ends of the floor. You know, obviously there were some, you know, 
misgivings in terms of defense. I think that just happens with engagement and sort of team level play. But preseason effort, that sort of thing. But what I think we saw offensively was something we didn't see a lot of last year, and that was some some set plays and yeah. some uh, more running and transition stuff. What were the things that you saw from the team overall offensively before we get to the two other superstars? Yeah, I think first quarter versus second quarter, different offenses. You know, in the first quarter, you could see some of the issues in which they had and guys just trying to get a feel for each other and get the rust off. But in the second quarter, you really saw how the Nets want to play. And even Steve Nash said that after the game is push the pace, move the basketball. Like you mentioned, there's some set plays called by Ben, but also you saw some actions with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving that we've been asking to see for the last couple seasons. And it just resulted in easy basketball because it puts so much stress. And now the Nets have competent pieces around those guys where they can't just, you know, have all five set of eyes on Kyrie and KD. So you definitely see more creativity. You see more off-ball activity and not just, you know, ball screens or pin downs. You know, we're seeing a little bit more complex stuff. Obviously, after another watch, we'll be able to pick up more things. But instantly, you just look at the pace and you look at the passing. And it was, what was it? Uh, Katie had four assists. Kyrie had four assists. Ben had five assists. A lot of those assists all came in the second quarter where the team had 11 as a whole. And some of that was just also like looking to push, you know, Katie was constantly looking to throw the ball up to Ben Simmons to allow that transition to pick up. And there was a couple plays where, you know, Katie missed two trailing threes in this game, probably going to hit one of those, you know, Joe Harris missed a ton of wide open looks. So even though we saw great flashes when these guys are actually hitting shots, like it's going to be a whole nother level. And when they actually get comfortable and understand where to be on the floor, you're just going to see them really skyrocket offensively. Yeah, KD, Kyrie, and Joe, 4 of 14 between them. You know, that's yeah. not going to happen every day of the way. That's more likely to be 6 of 14, 7 of 14. More likely to be those numbers, especially with the way that the, the Nets were playing. You, know, you highlighted a player. I wanted to point people towards your Twitter to check it out. You know, Nick Faye, check it out on Twitter. The handoff between Kyrie and KD, that was really, really nice. And then I think, I can't remember if it was John Schumann or someone posted a Spain pick and roll uh, yep. for the Nets where... Yeah, there was two guys. Where, I think Kevin Durant was the trailing screener. I think Clax or Dayron might have been the initial screener. And it just just creates so many different openings on the floor. And it makes you harder to guard. So it's good to see an Igor Kokoshkov already making uh, some form of imprint. So we'll see how the rest of it goes, Nick. But with Katie and Kyrie, I think a lot of people are taking away that Kyrie's engagement seemed yeah. to be you know, the, the big thing out of the, the big three superstars other than sort of the Ben talking points. That, that was something uh, really nice to sort of see. Yeah, second quarter he picked it up too. Defensively, I think he drew an uh, offensive foul on the Sixers, had a couple steals, kicked off a couple fast breaks, just brought energy and got to the rim. I think in the first quarter, as much as it was just also guys being you know not familiar with each other, it was also Katie and Kyrie just letting the team flow where you saw them kind of have more of an impact in the game in the second quarter, but also some of that too the spacing improved. Some of the just motion on the floor was just better. Guys were positioning themselves better than previously. But again, like you said, Jack, Kyrie just turned the energy up and that helped turn the energy up of the whole team. I think we've talked about it in the past. This team needs a leader on the court. Kyrie can be that guy. He's coming into his own a little bit and the Nets need someone to be a little bit more vocal. And in the past, you know, Katie's not really that guy. Ben Simmons, not really that guy. Kyrie, I think there's an opportunity with this being, you know, his quote unquote hometown team. 
Yeah, three steals and a block for Kyrie. The other thing that sticks out to me is box score where he got nine points, four assists, four rebounds, four of eight from the field, one of three from three. Now, it was a really promising performance from Kyrie, but Nick, with, with KD, was there anything, like, any semblance of rust? Was he disengaged? You know, we saw him laughing with Ben Simmons on the bench. That was good fun. A- any KD takeaways other than, you know, Kevin Durant is Kevin Durant? Yeah, nothing much. You know, got to his spots on the floor, knocked down the shots. Like I said, three ball, you know, probably would have been happy to knock down a couple more of those. And defensively, you know, more so just kind of preseason effort, you know, wasn't really locked in on the end of the floor. Typically like a step away on a lot of plays where if it's the regular season or the postseason, pretty confident he's going to make that play. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dom. Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. The, now we'll get to Clack City, Nick. Now, the one thing that I seem to take away from his performance was his conditioning seems to really be there. And it's already sort of on, you know, his running, his physicality uh, certainly improved. You know, 12 points, two assists, four rebounds, had a block, hit all of his shots, six and six from the field. What were the big takeaways for you from Claxon? What is a, you know, a pretty important season for him as well as the team? Yeah, I was happy with Clax. You know, I thought, you know, he started the game with like four dunks. You know, there was one nice post move on Montrez Hill in there too. You know, very patient down there, just kind of got to his spot, dropped it in. And like you said, conditioning looks great. You know, constantly running the floor. That's going to be something that works at, works out well with him playing with Ben. And overall, defensively, you know, the team was testing with different coverages. You know, it wasn't just switch everything. There was some drop. I think, you know, Clax was at, you know, the screen level on some plays. So Nets are probably testing some areas out on the floor where last year, you know, 
they they were doing i think majority you saw a drop early in the season and then it got to switch everything where they were kind of almost one dimensional where it looks like Steve Nash is trying to prepare them to have different looks going into the season yeah i think Jacques Vaughn is one of the it was yep. revealed one of the defensive coordinators as well i can't remember who the other coach I think was. was i think Ryan it was Keith maybe was the other I, one yeah it was definitely two coaches that are going to be handling that. And obviously, the more minds on it, the better, because the offense does look to be quite crispy you know, with Igor Koshkov already having a form of an imprint, as I alluded to earlier. Nick, in terms of Royce Neal was the first guy off the bench, and you could immediately see he's, he's making me eat my words about that trade. And uh, <laughs> I'm more than happy to, to eat them as it is lunchtime here as we record uh, in Melbourne, Australia. But really great game from him 11 points, two or four from three, three or five from the field. And it's just his activity and just overall presence. It just seemed to me that this is, I guess, the Bruce Brown upgrade. And you know how much of a Bruce Brown fan I am, but it's just that three ball looks very smooth. His defense is great. You know, what did you see from Royce O'Neill? And he seems to me that he could make a real argument for himself to be in that starting position above Joe Harris. Yeah, if Joe is still rusty going to the year and he's not able to really find his rhythm, I think Royce has a great case to be the starter. And like you said, he was pretty much as advertised, you know, knocking down threes, playing with energy, playing defense, able to guard up a little bit. So I think with Royce, you know, just really happy with his performance. You know, there I, I can only think of one negative play where he probably tried to do too much on like a pick and roll with Ben Simmons, which he probably shouldn't be running in the first place. But other than that, everything else was a positive. No, absolutely, and uh, hopefully he just continues that consistency on both ends of the floor because that's exactly what the Nets need to to really fill out the the entire team overall. Nick, who did you want to jump into next? Because I think Dayron Sharp. It seemed to me that going up against you know Montrezl Harrell and these sort of guys, he was outplayed in in the role that we would want him to play in terms of as a backup center, be physical, be NBA ready. Does he look NBA ready? Yeah, I mean, I was worried about some of my Dayron Sharp takes going to the season because I, you know, wasn't super high on him getting minutes. And I think this was kind of an example of why. Like you said, you know, if he's going to dominate someone, you want him to dominate Montrezl Harrell. Yeah, he's a physical guy, but Sharp's got size on him. And Harrell was able to kind of get the best of him too many times. And also, Sharp wasn't great from the free throw line, something very common with uh, some of the bigs on this roster, four of nine. And he just overall... You wanted to see him have some dominant stretches and some impactful stretches, and you just really didn't get that from him. And I think defensively, you know, there's still some of the same question marks where the athleticism may be a concern. And one of three for a center is just never really going to be that great. You'd like to see him, you know, be able to hit his shots in the paint and really do some damage down there, given he was probably like size wise the biggest player that played in this game. Obviously, Joel Embiid didn't play, you know, Montrezl Harrell's undersized and you know, Paul Reed's not the biggest guy. He's got the length. So you would have liked to see Sharp be a physical presence in the paint, and we really didn't get that. Yeah, full fouls as well in the 19 minutes that he did play. Six points, as you alluded to, four of nine. Uh, and only the one field goal had four boards, uh, including two offensive boards. We know how good of an offensive rebounder he is, but it's not really the skill that we're looking for for Darren yeah. Sharp to really solidify his presence. So it'll be inter- interesting to see you know, if they decide to go the Markeith Morris map because Markeith Morris route, because what he did show in his limited time in only the nine minutes, he had both of his three point shots, had a couple of boards, and just seems to me that if the Nets are wanting to play real winning basketball, Markeith might be the way to go as your backup five. 
Yeah, I think just the spacing alone just opens things up for them offensively. And defensively, he's not really that much of a downgrade from Daron Sharp. And in some ways, he's more versatile, so he's going to have more of an impact. It's really the rebounding area. But again, Daron wasn't very dominant on the defensive boards. It was you know the offensive boards that really stuck out in this one. So I think I'm in favor of Markeith Morrison leaning into that small ball. If that is not successful, then you're forced to make a trade. But as of right now... You know, playing Ben with Daron is just not the right move because it just doesn't allow him to excel and it just hampers the offense when it's already, you know, potentially missing some of its, you know, true superstars on the floor because they're getting rest and Ben's rolling with the second unit. Yeah, Ben just works best with spacing. Like yeah. it's just it's plain and simple it's and like pretty simple, yeah. You're already forcing him. Well, you're not forcing him, but you're in the iteration of the Nets starting five. Him playing alongside Clax is not spacing. Him yeah. playing alongside Darren Sharp is not spacing, despite the fact that we saw some practice videos of him hitting the threes. Like, practice videos only mean so much. And preseason only means so much as well, yeah. but it is much more meaningful than hitting it against your teammates you know, in the practice facility. So, unless Darren Sharp is going to become, you know, one way or another, a decent enough defender and defensive rebounder or a decent enough three-point shooter, then you just have to lead Mark if, the Mark if Morris route. But at the same time, Mark if Morris is coming off injury, he's, he's aging, all those sort of things. So there will be times where I think Dayron will still play, but you know this matchup just showed you that the the savviness, the everyday veteran sort of style of Montrez Harold, that dude just knows how to get buckets. He's a, a hustler. Daron Sharp just isn't there yet. And look, hopefully this preseason, I want to see him get, you know, be given the opportunities because you'd rather go go take the opportunities in less meaningful, non-meaningful basketball than when it happens when the the wins and losses actually mean something and you're throwing Daron Sharp out there for 20 minutes when he should only be playing eight to ten, if that. So we'll see how he goes. Hopefully this is just a, a blip in the radar and he grows from here. But you know, there's there's some worrying signs, but we're not going to write him off completely because we're all fans of, of the Nets young guys here. And that includes Daron Sharp. Yeah. And I think like we said in the bigs podcast, if he isn't successful this year or in the rotation, it's not the end of the world. He was a raw player. He needed more development and really his best bet of being, being uh, impactful offensively is knocking down the three ball. And that's not going to happen in a summer or two. So he's got more development. Like you said, you know, this is the first preseason game for him too. He's going to get plenty of more minutes over the course of the next couple of games. Nick, outside, I'm, I'm just looking at the, the box score and was watching a little bit of the tape and stuff. Yusuf Watanabe, 16 minutes, 3 or 5 from the field, 1 or 2 from 3, 3 or 4 from the free throw line, 4 rebounds, 10 points. Has, has, has this performance increased your confidence in him being a possible fringe rotation player for the Nets? Yeah, he kind of looked like what we described. You know, he's a role player. He can do a lot of different things. His length really stuck out on the floor, able to get up for some rebounds, contest some shots at the rim, and just, you know, run the floor and try to get some hustle plays in there and knock down a three. You know, you could see how him and Edmund Sumner both could fit on a team like this, especially in just, like, energy and, like, you know, quick burst on the floor and how they could impact a game or just on you know that night of a back-to-back, you need somebody to come in and just give you that extra little plus. And I think Utah and Edmund are both guys that really showed out and they got a lot of minutes in that second half and they made the most of them. And a lot of other guys didn't. So credit both of those players for stepping up and showcasing like, hey, we want to make this team and we have more NBA experience than a lot of your sophomores and that showcased. Yeah, Edmund Sumner, 12 points, 4 of 6 in the field, 4 of 4 from the three throw line, did also have two assists and a steal. You know, we talked about his athleticism. 
What stood out for you with, with Edmund Sumner, Nick, in terms of his individual play? You sort of alluded to him being one of the better role players. And I'll ask you a question after in, in relation to him versus Cam Thomas and not really Chris Jones. We don't really need to speak about Chris Jones that much, but him in the rotation. But on Sumner individually, what did you see from him tonight coming off you know, a pretty serious Achilles injury that we discussed also in the guards preview? What do you think about it? Yeah, I think he looked healthy. He looked spry. You know, he was athletic out there, you know, still had some speed and a lot of activity. And I think always with a torn Achilles or any major injury, there's a concern or like, are they going to have confidence in their body? And it looked like he did. And he just provides the Nets with a lanky guard that can, you know, run around, dribble handoffs and try to get to the rim and attack and be active in transition and just be everywhere. You know, there's a play where he think uh, thought he probably got fouled onto the rim, you know, he's getting up slow and then you see him sprint back into the picture and get in front of his man. So there's just a lot of things to like. He's a guy that just makes sense at the end of a roster. You know, he's not going to score 25 or 20 every night, but he's going to have these little performances of scoring eight or 15 off the bench. That's going to give you just a major boost. And he fits well with the nets in terms of pushing the pace. It just seems like something he really likes to do. Yeah, it can be a sort of, I don't know why this name just comes into my head, but like a DeLon Wright sort of fringy guard sort of guy. Yeah. Bit of defense, bit of athleticism, solid length. You know, I think, you know, DeLon Wright is probably one of the premier backup guards in terms of two-way ability. But Edmund Sumner has got a, got a point to prove. And, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to him seeing more of him in the preseason and, and maybe him pushing into the rotation. But in terms of that, Nick, as of this point in time, do you think he is a more credible rotation player than, say, Cam Thomas, who, despite all of his absolute talents that we know are there, didn't have the, the best of games? Uh, you know, hit all five of his free throws, which is a number I do like to see, but it was only one of six from the field. Uh, did have four rebounds, but only the one assist. Him versus Cam, Sumner versus Cam Thomas. You know, you can answer however you choose please or you can dive into cam thomas's game individually where do you stand with that sort of thing yeah i think edmund sumner is more polished as a role player and can fit that role next to stars a little bit better where obviously cam is the more talented player the better scorer, the better playmaker but in terms of like playing under off of guys and understanding your role you could see how Sumner could be more successful than Cam in that. And that's nothing against Cam. Obviously, he's a second-year player and still needs to develop, and he's used to still being that star-like player, that lead ball handler. And I think at times, you can almost forget about him on the floor because he's still learning how to make an impact in that way. You know, there was one really nice cut from Cam today, and then he finished at the rim on that play too. I think that was his only made basket of the night, but... That type of stuff is where he needs to get better. And then there was also a catch-and-shoot three opportunity in which he turned down. And I think that's also a concern, not to say Edmund Sumner's this great you know, three-point shooter, but you know, Cam, that's an area where we just wanted to see him improve. And some of the areas we want to see Cam improve, we haven't seen yet. But again, for him, only one preseason game. And I think also he'd benefit from getting lead guard minutes over Chris Chioza, who had the ball in his hands a lot in the 10 minutes in which he played. In terms of the other role players, Nick, that you know got some some time out there, David Duke Jr., we got saw Kessler Edwards, we saw Paddy Mills for ten minutes or so. What other things you did you take away from their performances? I think a lot of people are seeming somewhat down on on Kessler Edwards. What did you think of those guys? Kessler Edwards looked more like I would have expected him to look last preseason. You know, I would have expected him to look this green. 
Yeah, this green out of sorts. He just like at times, like I've I brought this up over the summer, is like he's a guy that just needs to play more basketball. And I think I've come to the conclusion where he's not going to be in the rotation early this year. So just play him a ton of minutes in the G League. Just like let him do th- feature him in the G League. Put him in an uncomfortable situation so he can get better. That's what he really needs to do. So Kess, not really a great performance. David Duke Jr., nothing really great either. You know, we thought he could maybe have a jump this year because of what he did in summer league, obviously still only one game, but wasn't able to get to the rim or break down defenders as successfully as he was in summer league. So those two guys, I expect pretty much almost all the sophomores, you know, Cam Thomas, David Duke, Jr. Kessler Edwards and Dayron Sharp, all guys. We, we wanted to see at least two of those guys make a jump. And tonight we really didn't see much progress from any of them. Well, Obviously, you know, you don't judge everything off, off a one-game sample yeah. size. So by the end of this preseason, things could have changed. Dayron Sharp could have figured could a few things. Could change by Thursday, by the next time uh, we record a, a game recap. But, Nick, any other thoughts on the game overall? We don't really need to go super ridiculously deep. You know, sometimes we like to keep the recaps a bit short and snappy. And, again, this is a preseason game. But there were positive things to, to see all around and, you know, the result doesn't matter. It's more about the process and some of the process from individual players, the team overall did look pretty promising. Yeah, I would just say one note on Patty would be just like if he's going to be played in this role, he's probably not going to be successful. So that's that's on the Nets coaching staff is, you know, you just need him to run around and come off screens and shoot threes and, you know, occasionally maybe shoot some mid-range jumpers, make some effort plays defensively. But the more he dribbles, the the less confident I think, you know, we are in him. No, then uh, I think he's being asked to do a, a, a role that isn't suited to him in the NBA. He can yep. do that in a setting like the the FIBA tournaments and and in the Olympics and such. But you know, just give him some some bloody handoffs. Let him run around like a goddamn pest. Let him use his yep. you know energy and be head energy role player rather than you know, a backup guard of type where he has to facilitate, have the ball in his hands because his handle isn't there. You know, that's where you'd probably be more comfortable with Seth Curry doing those sort of yep. things. But again, Seth Curry, TJ Warren, we didn't see them tonight. You know, they, they sh- Seth Curry, we did hear, will likely, hopefully be back for one preseason game, which would be nice. TJ Warren's still doing the work, but, you know, he both of those guys are legit. Well, Seth Curry is, is an absolute rotation player, and TJ Warren could set, certainly push himself. But with the way, like, it's sort of like him, Yuta Watanabe, Mark Eve Morris, these sort of guys. It's good that the Nets have sort of like got more wingy guys in their rotation, um, the wing sized guys in their rotation. TJ Warren alongside Ben Simmons, you can yep. sort of see some individual playmaking that would alleviate that yep. sort of thing for him. And, and Ben Simmons and TJ Warren could have sort of a, some form of two-man tandem because it doesn't mean Ben has to create everything for everyone he can create and, and, and TJ can create for himself quite easily. So some positive things for the Nets tonight, Nick, and, and going forward. Yeah, for sure, Jack. And like you said, I think it's easy to see, you know, Seth and TJ having an impact on this team in a positive way and just what they can provide offensively. And I think someone put this tweet out and it was, you know, the Nets put a competent lineup out without, you know, Kyrie and Katie being on the floor. And last year, that really didn't happen. So, you know, and that's with Seth and TJ still being out. And like you mentioned, Seth, hopefully we see, you know, for the opener and TJ Warren, I think is being reevaluated in November. So I wouldn't expect to see TJ Warren until probably December. No, you know, we know how the Nets are and their ramp ups and their cautious nature when it comes to injuries. Any final thoughts, Nick, before we hop off this one? 
No, I mean, just happy to see Nets basketball, see the big three actually play some minutes together. You know, it, at one point it felt like this was never going to happen. We'd never, this is, was going to be a big what if. So happy they're all on the floor. Progress was made. Flashes were shown. We'll see how the rest of the preseason goes. But Jack, always a pleasure. And big thanks to everybody for listening. Check the buzz on all stream platforms.